0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ben Again, Volume 33. According to the website, this is number 33. But since a couple of episodes have been part two of previous episodes, this is more like Volume 35. But we're going to call this Volume 33 of the Ben Again podcast. This is Ben, again, your host. And on this day, June 27th, it is a Thursday, we are in 2019. On this day in history, in 1844... Joseph Smith, the founder and leader of the Mormon religion. Perhaps you've heard of him. Well, let's see. He was 18 years old. He claimed that he had been visited by an angel who spoke only to him of an ancient Hebrew text that had been lost for 1,500 years. The holy text engraved on plates, tablets, call it what you will, by a Native American, blah, 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 blah had been lost for, I don't know, thousand five hundred years it says and he claimed that only he could understand the angel and the texts well anyway an entire religion was founded upon this eighteen-year-old guy saying that an angel visited him and only he could understand the angel imagine imagine the hubris of this Joseph Smith guy imagine the hubris well anyway on this day in 1844 he was killed by a mob and I can't think of anybody who deserves to die more than a guy who claims at age 18. And that's relevant, because at 18, what do you fucking know? But a guy at age 18 who claims that an angel visited him and gave him golden tablets that only he could understand and formed an entire religion. Well, on this day, he was killed by a mob in 1844. June 27th, that is. Thursday. <laughs> And I can't think of anybody, like I said, who deserves to die more than a guy who claims that an angel spoke to just him. When I was 18, I was jacking off every day, and on the days when I wasn't jacking off, I was banging, uh, Hillary, I guess. Hmm. That was the girl I was dating at the time. And if anybody had been dumb enough to believe that I could start an entire religion, well, they deserve to go with me. (laughs) What the fuck do you know at 18? It's funny how life goes in stages. When you're 13, you're like, fuck you, parents. And then when you're 15, you're like, ah, I didn't know shit when I was 13. I wish I would respect my parents more at that age. And then at 18, you're like, man, I didn't know shit at 15. And then at 21, you're like, man, when I was 18, I was a retard. And it just, every like three or four years, you feel like you're much better or much more mm, learned of a person than you were a few years ago. But really, it's wisdom. Really, your intelligence doesn't change much from the time you were a teenager to the time you are an adult your wisdom grows, for sure. So, on this day, yeah, I guess I would have killed him too. Fuck that. If a guy showed up in my village in 1844 and said, guys, an angel came to me with these golden tablets that only I can read, I would have been like, you're a dumb kid, kill him. Yeah, I get it. And when I said he betrayed a fatal flaw, hubris. Hubris was the word I used. That happens to be our word of the day. Hubris by definition, means, according to the Merriam-Webster, Google, blah, blah, dictionary.com, it just means having overconfidence in yourself to the point where it causes problems. That's for the, for the lay people there. <laughs> he believed so much that he was a special dude that he tried convincing an entire population of people that an angel came to him with golden tablets and only he could understand. Imagine trying to just walk up to a town hall meeting in whatever town or city you live in and go, Hey guys, I have something. I know none of you really know me. Aside from that, you know, I'm a stoner and I live in your town. Anyway, an angel came to me and he said, Yeah, um, you're going to start a religion. You're like God, basically, in human form. They'd all stone you to death, and rightfully so. So... You owe it to yourself to go for a bike ride drunk. (laughs) That's what I just did. (laughs) I'm 24 hours right now without food. You know, that diet that I've been doing a day or two without food. And then you eat on, like, the next day. And then the next day or two, you don't have food again. So you just have water or coffee. And it's my attempt at losing weight but the alcohol sure hits you much harder when you have not been eating that's for sure so 24 hours without food and I decided because that's been my thing lately is to just do like four or five shots of gin or vodka or captain or whatever whatever you like because you can't eat and you're not trying to consume sugar so you don't drink coke with it or anything you just slam the shots you just drink like four or five shots of gin or vodka or captain and then you go for a bike ride They say that an acid trip or a mushroom trip or, you know, drugs. They say that that's a way to experience life in a different way. Well, yes, they're right. We've all been there, for sure. But if you want to experience life in a different way, get drunk and just go for a bike ride. A normal bike ride sober is nothing new. You know, you see people, you wave at them, you nod at them, you ride down the street or the sidewalk and you wave at the old lady, but if you go for a bike ride drunk, you're so detached from reality that when you're going for a bike ride through town, everything just seems like it's a a mushroom trip or an acid trip. It's super weird. I've I've done it a few times in the last week. Like every other day on an empty stomach, you just slam like five shots quick and then you go for a bike ride. It's so weird. It's in a town you've been through a hundred times, a million times, whatever and you ride that bike, and you're drunk, and everything just seems so far away. It's hard to explain. And this is coming from a guy who is already super detached from reality. So you add that on top of the fact that I'm drunk and riding my bike through town, and it just feels like a, like a video game, like a dream. It's funny. And there was one point a little bit ago while I was on this bike ride where a truck was driving alongside me. And you know how you kind of act like you're not paying attention to them, hoping they'll pass or go behind you or whatever? They were just riding beside me. It was a couple of dudes. And I, I eventually couldn't pretend like I didn't notice they were there anymore. I had to, like, look over. And there was a couple of dudes who were probably a little younger than me in this truck, single cab. And they were saying some shit. But I was so much in my own world that not only did I not hear what they were saying, but I just didn't care. Now, if I was sober... And this exact same situation was happening. I would be thinking, okay, am I in for a fight? Am I going to have to fuck these dudes up? Like, what's their problem? Right? They they were saying some shit, and their window was down. But I was going pretty quick, and they were going pretty quick. And so between the wind hitting my ears and me just being in my own world because I'm drunk, five shots on an empty stomach. So I look over, and this guy in the passenger seat, because he's on my left, and I'm on the right side of the road, he's yelling some shit or saying some shit. And I hear that his voice is making noise, but I don't understand what he's saying. And I'm thinking, like, did I cut them off? Did they cut me off? Do they have a problem with me? Am I supposed to get out and fight them? What the fuck is their issue? And if I was sober, I would have put the brakes on my bike, got off, and said, What's up? Like, if you've got beef, let's handle this. Like men, you know? When I'm sober, I'm super impatient, and I'll fuck you up if I have to. I'm like the opposite, because you know when you go to a bar, you feel like drunk people are more apt to get pissed off and like fight, but I'm more that way when I'm sober. But I'm already pretty detached from reality, and I'm riding bike through town just enjoying myself in my own little world, and I look over and I'm like, really, these guys have an issue? And I'm pretty out of it, between the alcohol and just, you know, the way my mind works. And I look over and I'm like, what the fuck is his problem? He's he's saying some shit to me. They're going real slow. They look like they've got beef, you know. He looks like he's got this angry scowl on his face. And I just kind of, I wasn't smiling, I wasn't smirking, I wasn't scowling, I wasn't giving like a a mean look. I was just, I had this like neutral look on my face because I'm not hearing or paying attention to what he's saying. I'm in my own world. And so they're probably thinking, what a psycho. (laughs) He's riding his bike through town. And whatever they were saying to me, I cannot honestly tell you I know what they were saying. But they were probably thinking, what a weirdo, you know because I'm just looking back at them all dead faced like a psychopath. And I honestly don't know like what I was supposed to do because I'm I'm pretty out of it, right? I'm riding through town. It's it's getting pretty dark now. It's it's not daylight, but it's not nighttime. It's kind of in between. And so then he turns and I keep going and then I kind of like whip a shitty like a U-turn, turn around as if I'm going back by them and expecting them to say some more shit because at that time I can engage. But they don't say anything, they go inside their house. So I'll never know what they were saying. It was a weird little thing. But I was so in my own world that it wouldn't have mattered if they were saying, I'm going to fuck you up, or whatever. They could have been saying, hey, pull over, we'll give you a million dollars. I'll never know. <laughs> you owe it to yourself sometime to go for a bike ride drunk. It's it's an experience. It's like a drug experience. It's like an acid trip. I've done acid, I've done mushrooms. But going for a bike ride drunk is is very it's comparable to those it's similar Mm. so the reason why I'm 24 hours uh, empty of food is because as I mentioned previously I'm going every other day 24 hours on a calendar day without any food all you are allowed to have is water and coffee and then the next day you can eat but on my quote-unquote eat days I haven't even been eating that much I've just been having like a meal and then on the next day where I'm not eating, it's another 24 hours without food. And I've lost a little bit of weight. My face looks thinner. My, my shirts fit better. My pants are loose. They're falling down. When I went over to hang out with Shannon and Jamie one night, the first thing he said was, well, your pants are falling off your ass. And I hadn't even thought about that. But really, that's what happens when you go, I'm over two weeks now. I'm on the third week of every other day you don't eat anything for 24 hours and it doesn't matter if you start at 6 p.m. 10 p.m. midnight 1 p.m. whatever the time doesn't matter 24 hours from the last time you took a bite of food is the next time you can take a bite of food and then on that 24 hour period you may eat but i have decided that this 24 hours off 24 hours on thing isn't yielding the results that i want so i'm going to go 48 hours of no food, just water, and caffeine and alcohol, whatever, but no food for 48 hours. And then on the third day, you can eat, and then 48 hours again without food. And it definitely sucks. It really sucks, because you're all you can think about is food, when that hunger hits you. And you think you're hungry after six hours, but that's not hunger. After 30 hours, after 40 hours, that's when you're fucking hungry. That's when your body goes, oh, man, this is uncomfortable. All I can think about is food. Try it sometime. If you don't know what I'm talking about, and you're one of those people who just can't go a single day without food, you don't know what it's like. (laughs) But yeah, now I'm uh, 25 hours without food, actually. So I'm on my second day of no food, and I'm just going to have water, caffeine, or alcohol. No calories. I don't, I don't think there's caffeine in, or, uh, calories in in coffee. I think there's like two calories in a cup of coffee. It's just basically dirty water. And the same if you drink alcohol. It's not going to make you fat. So what caused this random, out of nowhere, seemingly, out of nowhere, hey, you're just going to starve yourself, is, like I mentioned in the last podcast or two, I got into the shower and I looked back at the full body mirror and I saw myself and I was just disgusted with myself and there are levels to changing to wanting to change there's let's just for an analogy call yourself a drug addict or a food addict or whatever it doesn't matter when you're just kinda like eh, like I should probably change my ways you're not gonna change you don't want it bad enough at that point when the next level hits you and you're like, boy, I should really change my ways. Like I'm a drug addict or I'm addicted to food or I'm gaining weight or whatever. That's still not enough to make you change. But once you get to the point where you're actually psychologically disgusted with yourself, when you look at yourself and you have bags around your eyes or you have love handles or whatever whatever your addiction may be everybody's different some people are addicted to video games some people are addicted to food some people are addicted to drugs whatever when you reach the point of disgust where you look at yourself and you're actually grossed out or offended by yourself that's when you change and I reached that point physically because I'm used to the majority of my life being A combination of muscular and skinny and fit having a six-pack having abs shoulders a back i'm used to this i have become accustomed to this and just seemingly out of nowhere i look at myself in the mirror and i'm like what the fuck dude dude when did this happen when did you look like that and nobody wants to bang you like that you know i just was disgusted by myself and the final straw was actually when i was out mowing the lawn i was mowing the lawn one day and these three girls who appeared to be just a little bit older than me, they sort of looked at me, but that was the one and only time they looked at me. They kept walking. Now I am used to, and I notice these things because I'm a people watcher, I am used to being looked at by women and then again and then again, like they look back and then they look down and then they look back. I'm used to the same girl who walks by looking at me several times. And what I happened to notice was these girls looked at me And all they saw was just some random, average white dude mowing his lawn. And then they didn't look at me again. And I was looking at them, waiting for them to look again. And none of them did. There was three of them. They were walking down my block. And back in the day when I was like anywhere from 17 to 23, I would have had several looks from this group of girls. They would have said, they would have said, they would have looked at me. And then they would have looked again and again and again. They would have been like, Ooh, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking the same thing a guy sees when he sees an attractive girl. But they didn't do that. They just looked at me like one time and they were like, eh, Some fucking white fat dude is mowing his lawn. Cool. And they kept moving. And the fact that they never looked again was really an eye opener to me. And I was like, Wow, I'm only worth one look? It's kind of a currency. Like, I'm only worth one look right now? God damn. So I decided between that and what I saw in the mirror getting into the shower that one night. I need to make some changes so now I'm eating every other day and starting now every other two days I'm on my second day of no food so I'm gonna get skinny I may not be rich I may not be handsome I may not have a huge penis but I'm gonna be skinny mark my words mark my fucking words I'm gonna get back down to 185 it's miserable it sucks when you're hungry six hours after your last meal And then you go, oh shit, I'm not even close. I can't even eat for 42 more hours. You don't know what hunger is until you go two or three days without a bite of food. And that's what I'm doing. And to be sure, it definitely takes much more mental, emotional strength than it does physical strength. Because the average American, I don't even have to tell you this, the average American has enough body fat on he or she, on him or herself, than is necessary for two or three days. So you're not quote-unquote in danger, starving in that way, but you are to the point where it's super uncomfortable. It's like, wow, I really should eat something, but you have to get past that. As I was explaining to Taylor, every hour that you make it, once you reach that point where your body goes, I'm fucking hungry, this is where I would normally eat, don't eat. And every hour past that point, that you make it is making progress. And by making progress, I mean shedding weight. My goal is to get back down to 185. I cannot have girls walking by me not looking at me like I'm a piece of meat. I can't have that. You know why? Because I am a piece of meat. I'm an attractive fella, but I'm overweight. And in order to be an attractive fella, I can't be the overweight version of myself. And it's not like I'm gonna bang them. It's more like a pride thing. I don't have a lot of dignity. I don't have a lot of things going my way in life, but the one thing I'll never give up is my pride. It's like a saying: (laughs) You can take a lot of things. You can take my life, but you can't take my fucking pride. And I am going to, mark my words, get down to 185. I've already lost like 15 pounds in the last few weeks, but it's not fast enough. I'll go Victoria's Secret on this bitch. I'll starve myself if I have to, you know? Anyway, that's enough of me rambling. Let's, let's continue on with the podcast. <laughs> okay. So we went over the word of the day, hubris. That just essentially means having too much confidence in yourself. Whether you're a douchebag who thinks that you're a ladies' man and you're not, or you're an army and you think that you can conquer another army, and you ended up not being able to cash the check, your, ash, your ass cannot cash the check that your mouth wrote, that sort of thing. Whatever. Hubris just basically means being cocky being too confident in your abilities. In the movie 300, the narrator talks about how the Persians betrayed a fatal flaw, hubris. They thought they could take the Spartans just because they had strength in numbers, and they ended up getting their asses kicked. One thing I don't have is hubris, overconfidence, cockiness. I definitely don't have that. Definitely have been humbled by life. I'm just... I'm just disconnected. I'm detached. It's such a weird thing. Like when I walk around town, whether I'm sober or drunk or whatever, I just notice people look at me different than I look at them. I probably come off as a sociopath or a psychopath. I'm detached. And detached is not the same as depressed. The more I think about it, the more I realize I I don't have depression even though that's what the doctors might say and I maybe have thought I had in the past because I took the medications for it but I think I'm just, I think I'm just detached I'm, I'm not normal <laughs> I don't know how else to put it the best way I can describe it to you is picture a group of people in a living room and there's a video game on the TV on the Xbox, the PS2, the PS3, the PS4, whatever there's a video game being played some people want to play that game because it's fun to them because they can engulf themselves in it well that's how I look at life to me life is a video game that I just I just assume not play I don't you know it's not that I'm sad about it or angry about it or happy about it none of those emotions really take place the way I see life is just I'd I'd rather not play there are some things in life that I enjoy family, friends, my son, girth, (laughs) but aside from those things I really don't care to take to really take part in it and so I'm not depressed I'm not sad about it I'm not angry about it I don't hate life there are a lot of things that don't go my way but ultimately I'm just detached because I just don't care so if you take ten people in the group in the room where the video game is being played Maybe nine or eight of them want to play the game. But then there's those one or two people who just aren't interested in it because it's not their thing. They're like, eh, that game doesn't look fun to me. I don't want to play. I'm not even going to spend any time or effort playing the game or trying to be good at the game. That's how I look at life. People around me, they're like trying to work hard and achieve goals and get a wife and children and build a house and all these things. And I have always just looked at it like, I don't really want to play that game. You know? That's life? Well, I'm not really interested in that game. I don't care about a wife. I don't care about having children. I don't care about following the rules. About, you know, saving up money just to buy more shit. And then you save more money just to buy more shit. And then eventually you die and lose it all. Well, I don't know. I'm just not interested in that. <laughs> I guess I'm just here for the ride until the ride is over. Because I'm just yeah, in my own world. I wouldn't call that depression. I wouldn't call it anger or sadness. I would call that just simply detached. Like, in this world, but not of it. Kind of like how ghosts supposedly exist. Like, they're in the same world as we are, but we just don't see them. They're not really a part of this game we play. Maybe I'm a ghost. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's a weird thing to me. I have thought in the past about if I were to disappear permanently, if I were to leave a note, if I were to explain why I decided to exit early, I think the best way I could explain to people is just to simply say I I don't feel like playing this game. It's not really my thing. Things not only have not gone my way, but I really don't care if they do. It's so strange. I'm 30 years old now i still don't have any goals i still don't have any like what i want to be when i grow up well i'm grown up i've been grown up i'm 30. i'm almost halfway done given the average life expectancy and i just don't have that in me i don't have that i want to be a scientist or an astronaut or whatever i don't have that i don't have the urge to have children or a wife or a house or i, don't know. I just there's no anger involved there's no hatred there's none of that it's just i don't really this game doesn't really appeal to me this life thing i don't know what to say it's such a strange thing like i said whether i'm sober or drunk or high or whatever and i haven't smoked weed since 2014 almost five years the fall of 2014 was the last time i smoked ganja (laughs) it's been almost five years since i've gotten high I've mostly been sober. I drink like once a week. Max. Probably more like once every 10 days. So I'm pretty much a square. I'm just a sober dude. I guess the benefit of that is it gives me more time to just think and be in my thoughts. But I don't know. When my family gets excited for birthdays and Christmases and Thanksgivings, I don't really care. I don't care if I'm there. I don't care that they want me there. And it's not that I'm angry at any of them or that I don't want to see them. I love them. They're my family. I just don't really care to play that game. I don't care to pretend that I'm happy to be at Thanksgiving or Christmas or at a birthday. Because I'm not. I don't want to be there. I love you guys. I just don't want to be there. It's a weird thing. Some friends invited me out tonight. They invited me to the bar. It's not that I uh, don't want to go to the bar and hang out with you and have some drinks it's just, just that I don't care I'd be wasting my time if I was at the bar having drinks pretending that I'm having a good time it's just, eh, I'm kind of hmm it says in the Bible to, to learn to live a life where you are in the world but not of it and you are ready to die at any time happily, that's in the Bible that's a, sort of a, a mindset or a lifestyle that says live this way, I guess I live that way Like, I I don't really care about that stuff. I like friends, I like family, I like some things. But for the most part, I don't really care to play a part in this human existence. It's like a video game that I just wouldn't play. And there are a lot of games that I'm not not interested in playing, but this just happens to be like the main one. I don't know. We'll move along though, because I don't know how many of, of you that this relates to, and how many it doesn't, but that's just the best way I can explain it. So anyway, (sighs) moving on. Miley Cyrus, Gigi Hadid, uh, Demi Lovato, Halsey, Halsey? all of these famous quote-unquote strong independent women recently have begun to stick it to the patriarchy, I guess. (laughs) They're growing out their armpit hair and their leg hair, and they're basically, all these hot chicks are like Refusing to do feminine things like maintain their armpit hair and their bush and their leg hair and You can Google it Google like Halsey or Miley Cyrus or Gigi. She's a model Gigi Hadid Gigi, I don't know how to say it, but Google it They have like full-grown man armpit hair and their leg hair looks like natural stockings like a dude and I'm just wondering like what the fuck is the point of that you're already hot rich and famous What do you think you're accomplishing? By having armpit hair and leg hair and bush hair. Now, what they're doing, I get it. You know, I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. <laughs> or as Miss Pat says, not Eve. <laughs> like, I'm not Eve to the situation. no, nah, she's black. She was a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast. She was trying to tell Joe that these people are naive. But she was saying they're not Eve to the situation. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you know how you can either be Eve or not Eve... And he's like, oh, geez, you mean naive? And I was like, God, black. That's so black to say that someone is not-eve to the situation. Well, anyway, I'm not naive to the situation. I just, I don't see what it accomplishes. If you're hot, rich, and famous, be hot, rich, and famous. Why are you trying to be gross and disgusting and manly? Like, how does that stick it to, quote, unquote, the patriarchy? For, for a society that supposedly exists in a patriarchy, it sure does suck being a male you know, I don't know who they think they're sticking it to, but it's not that great being a guy, especially a straight, white, a straight white male. To be a straight white male in 2019 is, you're like the minority, like everybody hates you just because, even if you're a good person. So, I don't know, it's fucking gross. What do they think they're accomplishing? Feminists, the first wave feminism in 1960, whatever, it's been a long time since I've known the facts, but roughly, like 1960-whatever, first-wave feminism, they had some shit to accomplish. They just wanted equal rights. And then there was second wave, where they kind of like clean up and follow up and make sure that the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But everything after that, third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave, 17th wave feminism, it's all pointless. Like, you already have equal rights. What more are you asking for? Why are you marching? Why are you bitching? Quit being a woman in that aspect and just move along. You, you did it, feminism. There's no reason to grow out your armpit hair to prove a point. Because what you're doing now is just taking yourself from being attractive to not. If you think you're going to quote-unquote stick it to the patriarchy just because you have armpit hair, you're wrong. You're gross. I don't care if you're hot like Miley Cyrus or Gigi or Halsey or Demi Lovato. They're they're attractive females, but if they have armpit hair, even I won't bang them. (laughs) Gross. Cut it out. Okay, when I was in high school, this is not a segue at all, not a smooth transition, but it's just a story. When I was in high school, I'm 17 years old, picture this, I'm a junior, I'm 17 years old, I've only been with one girl, Hillary. And other than banging Hillary, the only time I've seen sex occur is in porns. And in porns, it's cliche to say this, but in porns, like, It's not realistic at all. Dudes have 12-inch dicks. Girls moan as soon as you stick the very tip inside them. You know? Like in a porn, it's like a guy with a dude that looks like he has a legit Pringles can for a penis. And he sticks just the tip inside of a girl. And as soon as he puts the tip inside of her with no foreplay or anything, she's like, oh my god, oh. I don't know, maybe that's real, but I don't think it's real. (laughs) I feel like that's bullshit. Well, anyway, that's all I had to go off of in when I was 17. I had just lost my virginity. I've been with one girl. Her name is Hillary. She's a 10. She's got big boobies, whatever. But I noticed I can stick a lot more than my tip in there. I'm like, wow, she takes it all. No problem. <laughs> it's like she's not even struggling. <laughs> this isn't even work to her. And so I'm thinking, wow, she takes every inch of this six inches. No problem. And in the porn, they have like 12 inches, and they give them like 1 or 2 inches, and they're just like, oh, I can't take any more." jeepers, No Okay, so I'm like any other 17-year-old. I'm trying to figure out, do I have a tiny dick, or what's the deal here? So I decided one day to ask my buddies. And we are in physics class, and there's nothing to discuss in physics class. Surely not physics. Physics is boring as shit. Especially when you have a shitty teacher. Sorry, Mr. Pearson. Well, I asked Adam... Adam was dating the hottest girl in school. I would say it went like this. It probably went Carly Bruder, Hillary Newby, Jessica... I can't remember her last name. There was like the three hottest girls in our grade. Adam was dating the hottest girl, Carly. She was a 10. <laughs> Hillary was probably next, if I'm being honest. And that was my girlfriend. And then the third one... Oh yeah, Jessica Hughes. Number three would be Jessica Hughes. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm asking these guys in physics class, I'm like, so hey, like, when you're banging Carly, Adam, does she take it all, or like, you know, like, do you just put the tip in, and she's like, oh, and he goes, no, she takes it all, no problem, and I'm like, thank God, I thought it was just me, I thought I was like, super Asian in the pants or something, because when I watch porn, they can't even handle half that dick, but when I bang this girl, I can give her all six, and she's like, yeah, you know, Adam's like, no, no, it goes goes in there pretty easily, quite handily. She handles this PP, and I was like, oh, thank God. And then I ask Andrew, who's dating the third hottest girl in my opinion, Jessica Hughes, petite little brunette with big boobs, and he's like, no, she she fucking takes it all, no problem, man. She's a champ. She's a she's a she plays ball, <laughs> so to speak. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like in real life, girls can just take a dick, and I'm like, oh, that that makes me feel much better. And then I'm like, wait, the real test here is to ask Nate. Nate, the black guy, one of two black guys in our grade. He has a giant hog. I've seen it. I'm in football. I'm in basketball. I've, I've showered with this dude. I've seen this pee-pee. He looks like he has a porn star dick. And I'm like, hey, Nate, he's dating Katie at the time. I'm like, hey, does Katie Farley take that dick or does she like only take part of it and go, oh, that's so much pee-pee. And he's like, nah, she takes it all. No problem. And I'm like, okay, thank God. So it was just a really nice reminder or refresher. It was just nice to know that every guy that I know, all my buddies are giving their girlfriends the dick and the girls take it all. It was nice to know that because I was starting to wonder like, does Hillary have a giant vagina? Do I have a tiny dick? Like, why can I just stick all of this pee -pee in there and she's not dying? Like it looks like they're doing in the pornos. Turns out, porns are not realistic. (laughs) <laughs> but it was really nice for my my pride to know that that that's just how it is that's reality you know this podcast it's just reality I thought I would share that just in case anyone is going through a s- similar mental battle like just know that in porns they have huge pussies and huge dicks it's not like real life where they have normal vaginas and normal dicks Uh anyway I have to share this just because it's interesting and I think you should listen to it. There's a podcast or a uh, YouTube channel or whatever, whichever way you choose to listen to it. They're just called Case Files. And it's this narrator goes over different case files that were originally crimes that were eventually solved. And it's super interesting. There's one in particular that I listened to that was head and shoulders above the rest. It was really good. And it's a true story, it's a crime, it was like FBI, CIA level shit. And so I listened to it, and it's like an hour and ten minutes long, and it is so fascinating. So it's called Mark and John Case File Number 104, or something like that. So let me just tell you about it. Uh, spoiler alert, if you want to listen to it now, just go to Case Files on iTunes, or fucking whatever. Any Any Stitcher... Uh, cast box, whatever the fuck. If you listen to it, it's on, it's a podcast. So if you want to listen to the actual thing, do it now before I ruin it for you. You can pause this. But anyway, spoiler alert this is the Mark and John case file. So it goes like this. Uh, this is, took place in the mm, early 2000s, late 90s when there was MSN or AOL Instant Messenger. If you've never been a part of that, then you just, you have to Google it. But in AOL Instant Messenger, you pretty much, at least in my experience, everybody in our grade, it was kind of happening right when we were in school, you'd get off, get out of school or get out of sports or whatever and go home and log into AOL Instant Messenger. And on the left, it would show a list of people who were just logging in. Everybody had their own AOL Instant Messenger name or sort of identification. Mine was Fruit Snacks 9637 I couldn't think of anything funny or special or whatever, so I was eating fruit snacks one day and my friend helped me make the the AOL Instant Messenger account, and he was like, hey, fruit snacks. I'm like, all right, that sounds kind of gay, but all right, we're going to go with fruit snacks. And then he just chose some random numbers, so that was mine, fruit snacks 09637. And what you do is, without any pictures, without any videos, without any of that, you're just basically in a giant chat room, and all you see is the names people have chosen. There was like HMN015, K K O H, like all combinations of letters and numbers, and you would talk to people. You just log in and talk to people. Well, anyway, there was a guy named John, since it's called Mark and John, we'll go with that. And he had recently gotten into this AOL instant messenger thing. And He was going into random chat rooms and talking with random people. Well, anyway He joins a chat room one time or just a whatever back and forth with this guy supposedly named Mark and so these two get to be internet friends and They talk every day after school and it turns out they live in the same city big city they live in and this took place somewhere in the UK and uh, so John gets to be friends with Mark and then Mark goes hey my sister wants to talk with you so uh john is like cool i'll talk to your sister on whatever messenger and uh so john starts to talk to this person he thinks is john's sister for all intents and purposes because you pretty much got to take the word of the person you're talking to there's no proof it's a guy or a girl he thinks it's you know mark's sister john is talking to her and uh He starts to like catch feelings for this girl supposedly this girl and then one day uh, he goes hey I'd like to meet with you and then she stops talking to him and Mark messages John and is like hey my sister really likes you but she just she's too nervous she doesn't want to meet you she she feels like she'll fuck it up whatever yada yada and John's like that's cool let's just do like a a video call I just want to see her I want to see what she looks like because I think I like this girl And then mark is like no she really doesn't want to do that either and john's like okay and then some time passes and the girl never answers john again and then john is like what the fuck what happened then mark messages john and goes hey my sister you know she did like you but she died unfortunately she had some problems and she's no longer with us and john is like oh that's fucking depressing well anyway uh carry on a few weeks And then some random name messages John again on Messenger. And it happens to be, quote unquote, a girl. Or so John thinks. And John talks to this girl for a long time. And he's still friends with Mark online, you know. He talks with him too. But he's talking to this girl. And he becomes romantically interested in her. And for the longest time they talk and back and forth. And then John's like, I like this girl. I want to meet up with this girl. And then she stops answering. And then Mark messages John and he's like, oh, by the way, this girl, uh, I knew her too. She she died. And John's like, oh, Jesus Christ, my life sucks. Like every girl that I like online, she just dies. And now bear in mind, obviously this sounds like super fishy to us right now because it's 2019. And in 2019, we know that guys pretend to be women, women pretend to be guys, uh, stalkers and serial killers and all sorts of bad people use these chat rooms to take advantage of people who are naive or not Eve as Pat would miss Pat would say but when this first came out got to keep in mind this wasn't our mindset when that when messenger was first a thing when you talked to someone and they said they were a girl you had no reason to not believe they were a girl when this person said that they were 17 you had no reason to believe they weren't seventeen we basically took people at their word and so John wasn't a retard or anything he just was going by what what he was being told and early on in messenger people underestimated the ability of others to lie and deceive and be pieces of shit so you basically there was no problem with taking people at their word right so John really believed he was talking to these two girls who just happened to die and so John is like oh fucking I'm depressed uh, the girls that I liked online they, I was just be- about to meet up with them and then they died whatever well Mark was saying hey man I'm real. I'm your friend. Let's meet up. So they live in the same city. They meet up. They hang out. They're friends for like six months. They go to the coffee shop together. They still talk every day after school because they go to different schools. Whatever. They're friends. And it's cool. And John is like, wow, it's so cool that I actually got to meet somebody that I talk to and like online. And Mark's like, yeah, man. And then Mark goes kind of radio silent for a while. And John gets uh, like an AOL, MSN, whatever, messenger message from this person who claims to be a, like their version of the CIA in the UK. I don't know what that would be. But like imagine if it was taking place in America, this young guy, John, 15 years old, gets a message from somebody who claims to be in the CIA or FBI or whatever and goes, Hey, John, have you been talking with somebody named Mark? And John's like, Yeah, that's my friend. And then the person goes well mark came down with cancer and he's dying and uh, he doesn't have long to live and we were just wondering if you could tell us what you know about mark and John goes yeah he's my friend Uh, we've hung out in person several times I know him he's a good dude yada yada well anyway this person claiming to be a CIA representative whatever an agent goes would you like to join the CIA and John goes yeah like, I had no plans outside of high school, so of course I'd like to be in the CIA. And this person goes, okay, well then we have a secret mission for you. Only one other person in the world besides the Queen of England knows the, the password or the code to break the safe. And inside this safe, there's millions of dollars worth of gold and jewelry and whatnot. And there's only one other person in the world besides the Queen who knows this code. And it's your friend, John, uh, Mark. And John goes, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, what are the odds? I know, Mark. I'm his friend. And then the CIA person, quote unquote, goes, yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, Mark has recently been diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if he's told you this or not, but we're going to need you to somehow get this information so you can crack the code for us. And if you do, you'll be allowed into the CIA. You'll be an official agent. And John goes, Jesus Christ, well, I haven't talked to my friend Mark in a while. Uh, We'll see, you know, whatever, I'll get back to you. And then Mark, out of nowhere, after several weeks of going radio silent, messages John and goes, Hey man, sorry I haven't been talking to you. I just found out I have cancer and the doctor said I don't have long to live. And at this point, John is like, Jesus Christ, that's fucked up. So this random CIA agent messages me and goes, Hey, we know you've been talking to Mark And he has cancer and yada yada. And then Mark goes, hey man, I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but I have cancer and yada yada. So John in his head is going, wow, what a fucked up situation I'm in. And then the CIA operative, I forget the name that this person went by, messaged John and said, hey, change of plans. We need you to kill Mark. And before you say anything, we just want you to know that Mark has cancer and he's suffering and you're his friend, so we're we're contacting you and we're just letting you know that you're doing him a favor. This isn't like murder, this isn't anything bad. We're choosing you because you're his friend. We just think you should put him out of his misery. And John goes, Jesus Christ, fuck you guys. I ain't killing my friend. But then he thinks about it a while and he goes, well, I mean, he does have cancer. That person told me that well before Mark ever told me and there's no way that person could have known, right? But then Mark is like, hey man, I have cancer, so maybe I should do this. So John decides, I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll kill my friend, I'll get this passcode to unlock the safe, and I'll please the CIA, and I'll get into the CIA, and I'll make lots of money, yada yada. So John tells Mark, hey, let's hang out, let's meet uptown. And Mark is like, okay. So John meets up with Mark in town, and he goes, hey, let's uh, let's go this way. And Mark is like, but that's a dark alley. There's nothing down there. It's just a dead end. And John goes, yeah, I I think we should check it out. Let's go. Come with me. And Mark is like, all right, whatever. (laughs) And so John takes him into the alley and pulls out a knife and stabs Mark several times. And leaves Mark there. And so John has been told that after he kills Mark, a CIA operative will meet up with him at this place. And so John is standing there next to Mark in this dark alley. And Mark is bleeding to death. And there's nobody to be seen anywhere. And John is like, what the fuck? The CIA person told me that they would meet me here if I stabbed Mark to death in this alley. And nobody ever shows up. So then John starts to panic. And he steps outside of the alley. And he calls an ambulance and 911 and yada yada. Well, their version of 911 in the UK. I don't know what that is. And the cops come. The ambulance come. They grab Mark who is bleeding to death on the ground, they bring him to the hospital, and they're questioning John and they're like, well what happened? And John goes, I don't know, I was walking with my friend in this dark alley and then somebody came out of nowhere and stabbed him. I I don't know what to tell you. And the cops are like, alright. So they review the CCTV footage, they review the, the cameras in the area. They see just John and just Mark walk into a dark alley. Nobody else was there before or after. And then John comes out covered in blood. And they go, okay, dude, we looked at the footage, nobody was ever there before you, so clearly it was you. And they, they press the issue, and they press him, and John eventually confesses. He goes, okay, so here's the deal, I'll tell you the truth, because I don't want no legal trouble. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I was messaged by a member of the CIA, they told me that this guy is like a, a dude who knows some shit he shouldn't know, and that I was to kill him and get some information from him, yada yada. And... They're like, John, what the fuck, man? You lied to us. So they haul him off to, like, kid jail. And they're holding him, and they're questioning Mark in the hospital. Who survived, by the way. Mark survived the stabbing. And they're questioning Mark, and they're, And then Mark is like, No, somebody came out of nowhere, and they, they fucking stabbed me. John was just there to help me, and he was my friend, and yada yada. And then they go, Mark, cut the bullshit. We know that you and John went in there alone, and that the only person who could have possibly stabbed him who stabbed you was, was your friend John. And Mark's like, okay. Mark comes clean. Mark goes, here's the deal. John, he's innocent. He's my friend. I have pretended to be my sister who doesn't exist. I have pretended to be another girl who doesn't exist. And I have used both of those messenger accounts to convince John that he was in love and that he loved me. And it was all an elaborate ruse To get him to kill me. I pretended to be this CIA operative and here's the deal. I'm suicidal. I hate life. I want to die. But I couldn't get myself to do it myself because I'm a coward. So what I did was I pretended to be four different people, only one of whom was real. Three of them fake and made up. And I've gotten close to this guy, John, and I have convinced him to stab me to death. And he didn't do it right. He didn't kill me. And you guys saved me. You weren't supposed to save me. So what they do is they throw both John and Mark in prison, the kid version of prison. John is uh, put in prison for attempted murder and yada yada. And Mark is put in prison for uh, the first time in history, actually, was put in prison for attempted murder and suicide on the same charge. Like, not only did he uh, try to commit suicide, but he like pretended to be three other people besides himself. And convince John to kill him. So he was put in there for like a combination of murder and suicide. The first of its kind in, uh, what it, what's it called? Like in history, basically. They're saying that's never happened before where someone has been tried as the murderer and the victim at the same time. Basically, whatever. And so then they eventually get all of the details and realize that clearly, goes without saying, Mark is fucked in the head. John is just a dumb motherfucker who fell for all this. Naive, stupid, like, below average grades. Just a dumb guy. And he was found to be, like, a victim here. Even though he attempted to uh, do attempted murder. And it's such a great, like, it's such an interesting story. If you just sit and listen to the whole thing, all the details. And then they, like, they have psychologists interview both of these guys. And they find that John is, like, a dumb dude. He's just a dumb kid. He has below-average IQ, and then they find out that Mark is like, what? He's like a genius-level kid, but he's super depressed and wanted to die. And then they uh, they're going through like all of the sort of the receipts and copies of the conversations that happened between Mark and John, and they're like, wow, this Mark guy, he was just a 15-year-old kid, but he was so intelligent that he developed four different personalities, and the only reason why they figured out that all four people that he was pretending to be were actually just him is because he spelled the same word wrong with all four people. And there was copies of all these conversations that have taken place between Mark and John. Well, Mark was very consistent and good at being four different people to almost a psychotic level. They were saying that they couldn't tell. Like, they thought this was truly four different people. But then... The same four people spelled the same word wrong, and that's how they figured it out. And that's how they figured out that Mark was just the same person, pretending to be four people. Anyway, super interesting uh, story, person, whatever. And it's definitely worth a listen. Even if you only listen to my version of it, there's so much more. There's like 70 minutes of details and whatnot. I recommend you listen to it. It's like Case File. That's the name of the podcast, Case File. Uh, I think it's 104. But anyway, it's called Mark and John. Super good listen. You just lay there and listen to it and it's like a it's like a trip, man. Yeah. Well, Jesus Christ. I had a lot of notes and we're coming up on 52 minutes and as I always remind you at the end of these podcasts, we're running out of time. We've got 9 minutes left. I've only done like two or three things for notes, but we'll do one more. <clears> hmm. <throat> Here's my idea. And here and you might agree, you might not agree. So social media, in my opinion, is ruining social skills. That's put very simply. Uh, If you know what the word fractal means, it just means it's like a pattern. Like if something is fractal, it might appear on a small scale the same way that it appears on a larger scale. Google it if you want a better example. But basically what I see is social media is a fractal echo chamber of people using hand-picked or hand-selected content to represent themselves. And because of that, we do not get an accurate representation of people. Like girls, for example. Let's pick on the ladies, because we never do that. Girls will pick only the best pictures of themselves to upload as selfies. Never any pictures that make them look ugly. God forbid anybody see them look ugly. If you see a girl on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram and she's got all these pictures and you're like God damn, she's a hottie. Just know that all of those pictures were one of many and were handpicked to be the picture chosen to represent her. (laughs) She's got lots of makeup on, the lighting was just right, the angle was just right. It wasn't just like a one and done. Like, I took a picture and uploaded it. Bullshit. It was 15 pictures and I chose the best one. And then you'll run into that girl who you think is just a goddess. You're like, wow, she's always a 10. It doesn't matter what picture she's in, she's always a 10. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever. And then you run into this girl at Walmart and she doesn't have makeup on. She's not wearing tight fitted clothes. She's just in like a sweatshirt and sweatpants, no makeup, messy hair. And you're like, oh my God, that's you? jesus christ it's not an accurate representation of who she is that's social media it has gotten you to believe that women are much more attractive than they are because they are in control of what they upload and they only upload the best pictures of themselves and then you see a picture of them that was taken like where it caught them off guard it's not a good angle the lighting isn't good they weren't wearing makeup and you're like wow she's not a 10 she's a four what the fuck That's very specific, but let's talk about just people in general. They only upload statuses that they choose, words that they choose, the way they choose to word it. And what you get over time, not just once here and there, but over time is what you get is a consistently inaccurate product. It is a false representation of what he or she actually looks like, of what he or she actually talks like. And then when you talk to them in person or you see them in person, you realize, wow, they are unable to recreate what they show me on social media. And they're awkward in person because it's not natural. It's not normal for people to just communicate by uploading statuses and pictures of themselves and selfies and all these narcissistic things. That's not normal. What's normal is this. Two people who aren't prepared to run into each other, run into each other. They don't think they look their greatest. They don't think they sound their greatest. And they're forced to converse. Like, hey, how you been? Uh, didn't plan on running into you here. That's real. That's reality. And on this podcast, we talk about reality. What's not real is only showing people what you want them to see or want them to hear. And that's social media. And it's making people awkward. And it's making them have less social skills. And it's just—it's super unfortunate. It's making people needy because people in a bad mood or sad or you know, I haven't been on social media and like nine months basically (laughs) but the last time i was i just scrolled through silently like i didn't let anybody know that i was online i just kind of logged in i was like let's see what's going on and one guy wrote as a status if i'm being overbearing just tell me i don't want people to think that i'm you know whatever like no one would ever say that in person no guy with a set of nuts would ever go hey if i'm being too clingy just let me know What he was doing was asking for people to reassure him via, you know, status comments like, hey, you're not that bad, you know, and then like one girl wrote, I'm ugly, FML, fuck my life. Like, what do you want people to say to that? You want people to go, no, you're not. She's compliment fishing. That's essentially what's going on. I'm ugly, fuck my life. And then people were like, no, you're not. You're gorgeous. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not on social media anymore. People are compliment fishing. They're like, narcissistic. They're so dumb. You know, none of these people would be able to function in a room of people if they just got together because they're so used to only communicating on social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Like these people very rarely run into the people that they're communicating with. And because of that, they can't act normal. Like they, they want pity. They want attention. They want all these things that if they were to act that way in person, you'd think, what a fucking douchebag what a slut what a dumb cunt you know but social media has different standards for what you consider to be a good communicator take somebody who rarely talks to people in person but is constantly like typing out statuses and taking selfies and pictures and whatnot and try to have them in a room with people communicating it's not gonna go well for this person that's just how it is so in my mind in my theory my belief social media is literally ruining the social IQ of people I can walk into a room of people, and I don't know about you, but I can walk into a room of people and tell, like, who's touchy, who's going to get angry easily, who's going to be uh, someone I don't enjoy being around, uh, who's a slut, who's, you know, whatever. I can tell all these traits about people just by kind of reading the room and looking at them. You get that by seeing people in person. You get the opposite of that, and you lose the ability to experience that and sense that, sort of like a sixth sense, when all you do is communicate with people via social media and technology. Because there's no eye contact, there's no body language, none of that exists when you're only looking at words on paper or on a screen. You totally lose touch with reality. And this is coming from somebody who is out of touch with reality. I'm disconnected as fuck, but I'm still more human than the people who spend a lot of their lives on social media. They're, they're not human at all. They're like They're like robots. And they feed off of dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin that is fed to them via drip drip form, you know, slow drips, just because of a like on social media or a comment or whatever. I don't have that. I have, I'm more in touch with reality than these people. And I'm not even in touch with reality. I'm disconnected as fuck. So that's the point I wanted to make was that social media is really ruining the way people communicate like girls who think they're hot whether they are or aren't some girls are hot some girls are ugly as shit but they all act the same way they'll take a selfie and then upload it and then they'll just wait just wait for people to like the picture to comment on the picture oh my god girl you're so pretty I'm jealous girl it's like that's so fake it's so faux it's a facade it's not real and it's only going to get worse I'm so glad that I've opted out of social media because i can see all these things like i'm looking through it through third like a third person view and i see these things that these people don't see they're trapped in like a never ending like make a status wait for likes upload a selfie wait for comments like oh girl you're so pretty like that's not how it works in reality like if a girl is pretty and she walks into a room full of people people don't go you're so pretty girl call me you know people don't like make verbal comments like oh my god girl you're so hot sexy mama like that shit doesn't exist in reality it exists on social media and people who spend a lot of time on social media they start to think that's reality and it's just fucking not it drives me nuts like a girl who has very little personality but she's hot as shit if she uploads a selfie she's gonna think that a bunch of people like her and a bunch of guys want to fuck her which is always true but she's only going to think that because of the picture she uploads. If that same girl walks into a room full of these same people, it's not going to be five girls commenting or saying, Girl, you're so pretty. It's going to be like way different. Girls are going to be like jealous and insecure and like hate her because she's a hot slut. And guys are still going to want to fuck her. That never changes. But they're not going to be like liking and commenting. It's just, it's such a f- fucking weird existence for you to spend a lot of time on social media, and I see it because I'm on the outside of it. It's so strange. I don't know what to tell you. I had a lot more to get to, but as usual, I go over and I just have to carry on to the next podcast. Anyway, this has been volume 33, I believe. I hope you've enjoyed it. I will talk to you later.